When I was thinking about what to talk about this week, I came across the following quote that I saw on Facebook from Brene Brown. Courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. When I saw this quote, my immediate thought went to how this applies to my life and so many other people's lives who also happen to be part of the gay community. There are two courageous phrases that just scare the hell out of almost every gay person I've ever met. And I know it did me. And that's what I'd like to discuss today. I was 23 years old and going through hell emotionally. I was in the military and working in National Defense Headquarters. And my emotions were all over the place and it was just getting worse it seemed each day. I needed help. And so I admitted myself into the medical center. The anguish in my mind got so bad that the only way I could keep a single thought in my mind was to take a shower. So I took a lot of them. It was during one of them that my life started playing out in my mind on the other times when I kind of felt this way. And after a while, a pattern emerged. It was then that the first of those courageous phrases came to mind. I think I might be gay. No, that can't be right, can it? I certainly didn't want it to be right. But looking back at all the events in my life, it seemed to point that way. I remember standing in the shower after that thought came to me so clearly and cried. I cried from fear. I cried from the unknown of what that meant for me, my military career, my family, friends, everything. But I also cried from relief that it seemed to make so much sense that if this was the case, regardless of how bad this seemed at that point in time, at least I had a possible answer. So now what? Who do I talk to that will keep my secret? I'm in the fucking military hospital, and it's illegal to be gay in the military. So what do I do? Well, there was a nurse who had been really quite kind to me as I was going through everything the previous week or so. So I confided in her. I think I might be gay. She smiled at me and said, I'm going to let the doctor know you have something you want to talk to him about. And we'll take it from there. For now, get some rest. You've had a big day. Now, I have to say here that in this case, I was luckier, luckier than most because so many people find themselves in that exact situation where they have a realization that they might be gay. But in their case, they might not have someone to talk to in the same way my doctor did with me. My doctor did see me the very next day. And after a brief conversation said, well, this is not an illness like so many professionals thought it was even a few years ago. It's a natural thing you're going through, but it's most important that you feel comfortable with this. So there's a gay bar down the road. Go there this weekend and see how you feel once you're there. And then let's talk again. Now, you have to remember, this was in 1979. The attitude for a lot of people, and especially the military back then, was this was wrong. 
and I was still in jeopardy despite the fact that being gay was legal for civilians in Canada. But I did go to the bar. I walked through the front door, as a matter of fact, even though it was dangerous to be seen to do that because the military police quite often had a lot of people watching for service members. And once I got inside, oh man, I was so nervous. And I started to look around. I talked with a few people. And by the end of the night, there was a feeling that although I still had no real idea what the future held for me, I did, I did come face to face with the second of those courageous phrases. I'm gay. And now that I had an understanding what the last few months of despair meant, I now had to come to terms with this new fact about myself. Christmas leave was about to start and I was going to be going home to visit my parents and mom was certainly going to ask why I was in the hospital. And I had to give her an answer. What do I say? And how do I say it? If you've ever seen those coming out videos on YouTube, where the boy or girl has this moment when they face your mother or father and it's just so beautiful. The parents take their child in their arms and hug them and says, I love you and I just want you to be happy. You're my son or daughter and always will be. That's not exactly what happened to me. And back in 1979, it almost always meant you were going to get kicked out of the house and disowned. So for as much as I really wanted the YouTube moment, it didn't really happen. My mother spent the majority of the day crying, wondering what she did wrong and how this could have happened. And what, what can I say? I don't know how this happened, it just did. Eventually, the tears stopped. And finally, there was a measured acceptance of what I had just said, which lasted a couple of years. In 1984, during a weekly Sunday call with my mother, when I wanted to talk about some issues I was having in a relationship, that's when the other shoe dropped. And the response I had expected in 1979 happened. A total rejection of my lifestyle, me and all I stood for. I was going to hell, and that regardless of all the accomplishments I had made so far in my life at the time, there was no pride towards me from her, and in her eyes, I wasn't her son, as long as I was gay. I'll say here once again that for as hurtful and horrible that call was for me, what some people go through even today is so much worse. Yes, my heart was ripped out of my chest because I believe that even though we never talked about my gayness after I came out to her in 1979, I thought there was silence, silent acceptance but I lived on the other side of the country at that point. I still had my military career and I wasn't dependent on her for my livelihood. I was crushed emotionally because of the relationship I was in was going to hell in a handbasket and because of the relationship I had just lost with my mother. We spoke on rare occasions over the next four years and each time I reached out to her, I relived that same phone call and hurt. Luckily, over time, she started to educate herself, and we were able to mend our relationship. But the experience of trusting someone and to be courageous enough to show them my true self by saying that phrase, I'm gay, 
and having the person forget everything they'd ever liked about me and reject me from their life has, has been played out so many times over the years. And the main reason is usually always based on their religious faith. Using religion to reject someone is counterintuitive to me. I always thought religion taught people that compassion, empathy, acceptance, and love is what we should have for each other. And when I hear of people disowning their child for being who they are, it continues to prove to me that there's a disconnect in their logic. I don't know how many people I've read about who have committed suicide because of being bullied or rejected from their family because they were courageous enough at whatever age they happen to be to accept themselves first and foremost on who they really are and then want to create a life where they could just love whomever they wanted. The idea to have to die or feel like you want to die because parents, friends, colleagues, clients want to use their religion to reject you just proves how truly courageous one has to be to say to someone, I'm gay. There's no expiration date on homophobia and ignorance. I've never hidden who I am, nor have I ever flaunted it. People will think whatever they will of me. But it's taken me a lot of years to realize this. But even after 40 years from when I first uttered that first courageous phrase, I think I'm gay, I still know that I will never escape the fact that saying I'm gay might cost me my friendship with that person. I was so delighted the other day to have a conversation with someone who, because of this podcast, realized I was gay and had some questions. So we got together and over a few games of pool, talked about whatever he wanted to know. He's a younger man and has a deep-rooted belief that being gay is a sin based on his faith. But more importantly, he had an open mind to ask for information. And one of his last questions to me was down the lines of, don't you feel you owe it to your creator to not be gay? And my response was simply, I believe that if my creator doesn't make mistakes, then I owe it to whomever that is to be the best possible version of myself I can be. And by doing that, I'm honoring their creation. And at the end of the chat, he said he still didn't agree with me being gay, but he was still very happy to be friends. Many people from all walks of life, lifestyles, genders, professions, etc., face times in their life when they must muster up the courage to do something or say something difficult. So if you're one of those, you understand how hard that is and how it feels when it has a good outcome, and also how devastating it can be when the outcome is not what you had hoped. Now, imagine having to do that or have that in the back of your mind every day because you just don't know when someone you love, like, trust, or hope to like rejects you for just being you and no other justification is needed from their perspective. So when you see someone living their life in their most joyful and gayfully magnificent ways, know that it takes more courage than you know to look that happy and free. It's often said that when you can tell your story without crying, you failed. But I think that in so many cases, when we tell our stories, we will always have tears in our eyes. 
not out of sadness, but of pride for being brave enough to not only say those courageous phrases, but to live our lives in that courage. With that, I want to leave you with a poem that was given to me by a very wise woman. And I think it's appropriate for this conversation. It's called The Journey and was written by Mary Oliver. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Men my life, each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voice behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life that you could save. Until next time, cheers.